Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. Welcome back to the Springs in the Desert podcast. I am Jillian, your host, and I am here once again with Alyssa and Meg. I am so excited to be here with you. Um, For those who don't know, uh, Alyssa and Meg and I, we recorded an episode on secondary infertility a little while back. So if uh, you weren't able to hear that, I just encourage you to pause this episode and head back to that one so you can get to know them a little bit better and know their stories. But how are you doing today, Alyssa? I'm doing really well. It's nice to be back and really excited to talk to both of you again. Yes. And how about you, Meg? How are you doing? I'm doing well also. I've been counting down the days until we could gather together and have our conversation. Yes, it has been so fun to get to know the both of you a little bit better and to talk about whatever the Lord has placed on our hearts. And listeners, this conversation is actually the fruit of the end of our conversation from the last podcast. We finished recording and we kept chatting and we thought, Oh gosh, we have to we have to record another podcast on this topic. And so we are going to talk today about who the father is, who the heart of the father is, who God is, who we are as as his daughters. And I am really really excited uh, to dive in. And you know, I think it would be a good place to start by talking about our our crosses. We're really going to be talking about that today and how I think it's easy in this community. We've we've heard a lot in our virtual groups or online or when we're, you know, getting emails or prayer requests that it can be pretty easy to compare our crosses. And and even in our episode on secondary infertility, although we all share a similar cross, it looks very different for all of us. And it can be easy, I think, especially as women and our desire to be known to kind of compare you know, what those crosses look like. And so, you know, Alyssa, I might start off with you and just, I'm just curious if you've ever felt or felt like you've been in that situation of like a cross comparison about um, just, uh, you know, seeing the cross that you have and seeing, you know, a cross that maybe someone that you know has and just, you know, that the evil one is is sort of taking over uh, there rather than the Lord. Do you, uh, um, yeah, can you relate in any way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that it's really easy to do that comparison because you, you know, we always want what we don't have. We always want to, uh, you know, the whole covet your neighbor's goods and all those things. It's really easy to fall into that. And so when you see a friend or a family member who, who is, having child after child or no struggle with their fertility or anything like that, it's really easy to say, why not me? Why, why does this have to be my story? And sometimes it's really hard to come back to why is this my story? Because there's no rhyme or reason. You know, there's no way to just get a straight answer from God. You, you know, we always talk about how we can ask God for, for what we desire or what we hope for, but that doesn't mean he's just going to, you know, part the clouds and say, this is why you have this cross. That'd be great, but it's not the way it works. So um, it's hard to kind of put your mind back on, okay, that's their situation. I don't know what crosses they have. So let's get back to focus on what my cross is and what it means and how I can carry it in the way that the Lord intended for me to carry it. So yeah, definitely. And I think it's not something where like, it's a back and forth. You're always going to look at those other crosses and 
you know, refocus your attention to your own. So, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, that was really, really well said, Alyssa. I can relate to that. Meg, I'm curious if, yeah, if you can relate, if any of that resonates with you. Absolutely. So I just have to share, I don't know if it was a meme or what you could call it, but I saw an image recently of a crayon and a pencil. And the crayon is saying, I'm not sharp enough. And the pencil is saying, oh, I'm not colorful enough. And I know it's humorous and it's, you know, looking at school supplies. And it just makes me think of that temptation, like what Alyssa was saying, like looking outward instead of looking inward and seeing what's around us. Sometimes it feels like it's so in our face, you know, like the opposite of what we're experiencing or what we have or, you know, don't have. And so, but to, to spend so much time looking outward, like that crayon looking over at the pencil and the pencil looking at the crayon, you lose sight of what you bring. You know, that crayon, yes, is colorful and can do a job that only that crayon can do. But the pencil is just as valid. That pencil can do that job. So in thinking about our crosses or thinking about, often when I think of the cross, I also think of gifts, which maybe you might not necessarily put those two together. It took me a long time to get to that point. But thinking about the gifts that are hidden within the cross, you know, he doesn't just take, but he also gives, right? And so thinking about okay, so even though I wanted this one thing or this other life or whatever, fill in the blank, we all want something, right? We all desire something. The truth is, is we don't have that, you know, like that image of God parting the cloud that just made me chuckle, you know, it was when you were talking because we often sometimes get so fixated on looking for that, that we lose sight of what we do have. Yeah, I just want to kind of share that image because it really struck me, like even though it's a humorous look, but not getting lost in the cross that we lose sight of what we do have or who we have. That is a really good image. I I appreciate that because I, you know, I was just thinking this isn't quite the same, but I was thinking about uh, my, my niece who gifted me this pin or, or sort of a brooch that she made with clay and painted it. And I believe it's uh, two fish uh, on it, but you can't really quite tell what, what it is. You know, she's, she's five, but loves to create things. And I, I was just thinking about how I, you know, when I received this gift from her, I was just so overwhelmed with joy that she took time to create something for me. And she was so happy and delighted in this pin and that I could, I could wear it around, you know, that day that she had given it to me. And in a larger way, you know, I'm God's creation. And I typically don't look at myself with as much joy as I looked at that pin, you know, that she made for me that I, I do, I I compare myself to all sorts of things. And God doesn't do that. You know, he looks at us even more preciously than I looked at this this brooch, you know, that my my niece spent time on. And so I I just I like that image though of the pencil and the crayon to just we we miss who we are, you know, who we were made to be by comparing ourselves. And that doesn't mean that we can't have good community and challenge ourselves to grow in virtue and to, you know, grow closer to God every day, but to be careful not to miss who we are by looking at the next person. And I think that's, you know, a great sort of a great segue into kind of the the crux, uh, so to speak, not no pun intended, <laughs> of of this conversation that we kind of started talking about that's really intrigued me. And I think uh, really started a great conversation between the three of us about how Jesus is a carpenter. And I have really, I've been thinking about this recently that 
Joseph, even though he wasn't at uh, the crucifixion, you know, we don't hear about him in scripture and it's likely, you know, sort of tradition holds that he likely would have died by that point. But whatever the case is, he's he's not there. We don't we don't hear that Joseph is there and he is a loving father. And so he wouldn't have just missed that. So <laughs> in any case, he's not there. However, Joseph was a carpenter and taught Jesus, you know, how to how to be a carpenter and how to whittle the wood and create image, you know, all, uh, not images, but products. And he would have showed him how to provide, you know, for his family and help him to create things. There was this image that someone had given me about how Joseph would have, he, he would have literally helped Jesus prepare for the walk to Calvary because they would have had to carry wood through the town. They would have had to carry in large amounts of wood. You know, they wouldn't have had all of the, you know, the truck that I used yesterday to carry stone for my yard project. You know, they would have, there would have been a lot of physical manual labor. It's really interesting that, you know, Joseph, even though he wasn't present there, was so present because he helped him, you know, begin that process. And, and even more so, you know, if we believe that, God the Father and God the Son are one, you know, as we hear in scripture so often that there's something about carpentry that reveals to us who God the Father is. And so I kind of want to, I want to ask you guys a little bit about that and just, you know, does it change, Meg? I'll, I'll start with you. Does it change your perspective? And, and, you know, maybe this has been a part of your prayer as you were just talking about a cross also being a gift. You know, does it change your perspective of the cross that you're given when you think about it being handcrafted by God? You know, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, that 100% definitely kind of strikes a chord. It reminded me when we were discussing that last time, when I was reflecting on what you shared, it reminded me of something that I had heard in a woman's Bible study that I had done and the conversation came up about the fact that the crosses are so unique to each one of us. And in that discussion, I remember the person I was talking with talking about how the cross just fits so uniquely, like on our shoulder, like how you carry it. And it's almost like, you know, like when you have a pair of shoes, like old shoes you've worn in your feet, they just kind of like mold your feet. And so that cross is with us, like it or not. Like it's not, we can't just fling it to the side or forget about it, even though many of us might engage in that, you know, for a time. But it, there should be something kind of familiar about it. Not that it makes it easy to carry it, but again, it's kind of like an oxymoron or a paradox. It's a blessing to be able to carry this because thinking of that analogy of his creating that for us, like there's a reason why Jillian, you have your cross and Alyssa, you have your cross and I have mine. You know, just like how he's the ultimate masterpiece, like artist and where his masterpiece is, he created each one of us in a unique way. Therefore, the same it applied to our crosses, right? And so, again, it's so that's why I think it's kind of maybe a dangerous game to engage in that comparison game, because even though it might look like we have the same cross, we don't. Like, even if we have super similar stories, just the way we respond to them or our interactions or our circumstances or our encounters are different, right? So I guess when I think about it from that perspective of crafting that cross, I just love the idea of thinking of, you know, he's in his workshop and my name is next on the list. And so he's like, okay, here's the cross that I'm going to, you know, create and like lovingly tend. Like it's not just a mass produced, like a chain, like just another name, a number. He knows me inside and out. And not to get off the subject, but I love when you're talking about kind of, you know, Joseph and, you know, how the formation, like the fathering of Jesus all throughout those first 30 years led to those three years of public ministry. 
it makes me think of in our own story, just the little like stepping stones or the, if we keep that analogy of being in the workshop, like chiseling and like carving out and sandpapering down and, you know, all this and just like the steps, like looking back, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but looking back at everything that led to where we are today, and then we don't know what's to come, but even now currently what's happening that's going to affect our future. It's just a really neat concept to think about him in the wood shop, you know, like working on creating this unique. So going back to that, like gift piece, it's an honor, something he took the time to create for us. And even though he might not have only plucked it off the shelf and taken it, you know, it's our duty as Christian to pick up that cross and to emulate what he did on the road to Calvary. And he also, you know, he asked for that cup to be passed. He didn't want to, but he still obeyed and followed. So why should we not do the same? Oh, yes. I, I love everything. I love everything that you just said. I, you know, I think of, uh, John six, the, the bread of life discourse. And, uh, one of the questions that really strikes me so much is, you know, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life and someone says, well, aren't you the carpenter's son? You know, and I think sometimes that gets missed because he's about to say one of the most amazing things that we have in scripture. But that that question really just proves that he was seen out in public all the time with Joseph being a carpenter and, and doing this task. And so how, yeah, how beautiful that Joseph could show him, you know, as much as he could, how to carry this cross, you know, even if Joseph, you know, didn't really fully know what that would look like for, for Jesus, or, uh, even if, uh, which, which he could have, you know, I, I like to think that <laughs> I like to think that he had a little bit of insight, especially in his dreams, because I just love that God spoke to him so much in his dreams. But I just, I love this idea that, he was known as a carpenter and, and it's, it's so, I mean, he could have been anything, you know, it could have been anything. And, and that God chose Jesus's earthly father to be a carpenter. So yeah, you know, Alyssa, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts about this too, because I think, you know, now that we've been talking about this precision of carpentry and, you know, this, that he knows us so much, like, yeah, when we uh, wear our shoes in and they don't really fit anyone else's feet, that the cross, you know, is made for for us and who we are. And it, you know, we certainly can help people carry their cross, but their cross is not ours. You know, it's it's different. I'm wondering, you know, do you think that this idea of God being a carpenter could perhaps help us stop comparing, you know, our cross and to see our crosses as, as Meg was saying, as a gift? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, as Meg was talking, I was also thinking about, and I had been thinking about this after we talked at the last podcast, how when we have something handcrafted, like people are drawn to handcrafted things because they are so unique, like you were saying. But I think another part of what I am drawn to about a handcrafted thing is the flaws also. It's, and not saying that God made us in a flawed way, but we have flaws. And I think it's almost like they're intentionally there. You know, we have physical things that don't work right, or we have spiritual parts that are not quite as strong as we'd like them to be. And when I look at like the bespoke things, it's those little flaws that make me love them even more. So taking the time to sit with the flaws that God has given you might make it easier to not compare so much because we can all do the same thing. We can all sit with the unique 
you know, formed to your own person and all the little flaws and appreciate them, even if we can't find joy in them, even if it's grief, even if it's negative feelings that they bring up or frustration or anything, it's still yours that was given to you by God to experience the fullness of creation. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's a beautiful thing that we are given something so uniquely tailored to us in all its perfection and all of its flaws and just treasure that. So not easy to do that. I mean, it sounds all pretty and nice when you talk about it in this, you know, ethereal kind of way, but it's hard to do that. So yeah, I have no, I'm not perfect at that. I want to be, but (laughs) it's nice to think about it in that way, at least. (laughs) Yes. Oh gosh. I, I hadn't even thought about that in that way. And that is just, that's just really touching, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of this is sort of, I mean, not silly, but just a secular example. I was, the Leaning Tower of Pisa came into my mind and how like people flock, you know, to this piece of architecture because it's not perfect. You know, it's not, if it were just a straight tower, like it wouldn't be known, you know, for it. And so, you know, to be known, you know, we probably don't want to be known for our flaws, you know, like those things that we're struggling with. However, you know, I'm just thinking of, you know, some of the things I love about my husband that perhaps he might not even see as, you know, good things or, or, or beautiful things, um, or vice versa. You know, there's so many times where, you know, I'm getting ready for bed or I've just worked out and he'll say something like, Oh my gosh, you're so beautiful today. And I kind of look at him like, what are you talking about? I, you know, I feel like I'm, I look my, you sort of at my worst, you know, I'm not, I'm not put together at all. And so to, you know, it's it's like in that that vulnerability in those, uh, yeah, imperfections that really highlight the beauty. Or even my, I was sharing a little bit. We are doing some lawn work, and my husband had a, a wheelbarrow that was given to him. Uh, it was his grandfather's, and so it was quite old. It was one of those really low, shallow ones. You can't really put a whole lot in there. But it broke while we were doing this this lawn work. And my, we were, we were sharing this with a family member and they said, oh my gosh, you should display it. That would be so beautiful. And I was thinking, you know, when I saw it, I just saw it as this rusty old piece of metal, you know, that has no use anymore. But that, that's not how, like, that's not how God sees us, you know, that even if we feel broken or we feel like, you know, we're, we're just not working the way we're supposed to, or maybe even something happens that does sort of prevent us from like a full functioning life that we aren't just something simply to discard, you know, that like there's so much beauty to us and that he allows us to exist, you know, to, to create that beauty and to, to continue uh, that beauty. So I just, I really love what you were just talking about there, about the imperfections and that Jesus he enters there. You know, he doesn't really talk to us about the things that we're good at. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, at least that's not my experience in prayer. He wants to, he wants to go into the the wound or, or what we feel like isn't good enough or not perfect enough. And he wants to meet us there. And so I, I'm just thinking of the, like the knots in the wood and the, just, you know, the, the where the grain is, or maybe it's, you know, a piece that you have to kind of sand because there's, uh, you could get a, a sliver or something like that. Just, I also think of sometimes when it's purposely distressed, like they, the the artisan will purposely make it look flawed. And it's like, that's, that's a form of beauty in and of itself. So yes. Oh, I thought, I thought, yeah. 
Wow. I really got to pray with this more now. I thought like, oh, I am all ready for this podcast because I prayed and Jesus always says, nope, I have more for you today. (laughs) Uh, You know, before we, you know, sort of wrap up this conversation, I'm curious, uh, Meg, I'll start with you about maybe some encouragement or, or just maybe an example from your own life about how you've been able to, like we said, it's not easy, but how you've been able to pick up your own cross, you know, amidst maybe a really an ease of comparison, but trying not to do that. Yeah. What has that, what has picking up your cross daily looked like for you? Yeah. So actually, I just wanted to share real quick before we leave that last part of the conversation behind. There was a lot of talk about the beauty and the flaws and the crap. Yes, please do. I just want to share. You might be familiar with the song already, but it's called At the Foot of the Cross. I mean, that's just I love that song. That was uh, and there's a line in there about I trade in these ashes for beauty. Right. So it just made me think of will our crosses that will be all beat up in a good way, hopefully from all our caring and like all the grooves in there and everything, will they then be turned in and transformed at the end with, and be just not splintery and smooth and like distressed and all the good in the right spots. But that song, so in prayer, I very much find Christian music and like finding the Lord just speaks to me through, you know, the lyrics and whatnot. And that song was actually embedded in our wedding mass. Now, admittedly, I thought it was going to be after this, you know, finding each other and dating and courting and getting married. And here we are now about to start married life and everything. And I had a very different interpretation of what I thought it meant to be at the foot of the cross, like based on the hardships and the challenges I had experienced up until that point in my life. And so now on the flip side of it, we're about to have our eighth wedding anniversary soon. Eight years into this thing, goodness, there are just so many other takes of that particular song, right? And what it means to stand at the foot of the cross as husband and wife, and and especially with living with secondary infertility. But in terms of the everyday, like the practical ways of trying to lean into that with joy, this this is an acronym that I shared during our last conversation in terms of the J-O-Y, I think of just open yourself. And even if you think about that physical act of Jesus on the cross, arms out wide, like just opening himself. And then you think of with divine mercy, like, like just that openness, right? And then if you liken it to you know, going back to our wedding day and like being open to whatever it is that God has in store for our vocation of marriage and being open to whatever a family will look like, whether for some of us, it's many children, for some it's one, for some it's none. And so just being open, again, finding those blessings, finding the joy amidst the sorrow. And it's not to sugarcoat it. It's not to paint this happy, like rosy picture, but I did jot down just a couple like practical things. So I'm going to look at my cheat sheet here, but I had written what has helped me specifically in this time, in this stage of life and, and, you know, living with secondary infertility, grow in humility. You know, it's so easy. I mean, the comparison game or the blame game, like sometimes it's not about, you know, we can get so fixated and focused, like looking at outward, but then also blaming inside, like internally. And that's not what God wants, you know, within his plan for us. So grow in that humility, maybe set your pride aside, set your not to set your desires aside, but to be open to your desires maybe coming out in a different way, like manifesting themselves in a different way, like letting go of old dreams to allow space for new dreams. Be kind to others and pray for others always. Even if we're resenting the fact or bitter or upset or like, why can't I have what that family has or what that mom has? You know, instead, 
like Alyssa said earlier, they have their own sets of challenges. They have their own crosses, right? Or maybe it was you, Jillian. I forget which one said it. But, you know, we all have them. We're not getting out of this without our own share of suffering. We all have it, even though some might be more invisible than others. Decrease ourselves. We should decrease so that he can increase. Allow him to spill over. And maybe because of our circumstances, we can do more volunteer work. Or we can be more present uh, for those, you know, in our lives that, if our original dreams or our original visions had come true, we might not be able to serve in those ways. So what are ways that we can decrease so that he may increase through us? And then thinking about that wood shop, like action piece, carve out time for prayer, spending time with God's word. I mentioned earlier, for me, that comes by way of Christian music. And then the last one, and this is one that I really have to lean into, is just to be open, just open yourself to sharing your struggles. I would say looking at the last seven years of living this life of secondary infertility, it wasn't really until about five years into it that I was like, I mean, you want to be prudent and you don't want to openly share with everybody, but really trying to act as a conduit for others and like being a bit more open about that vulnerability piece and not hiding behind the mask, you know, so, and for everyone that would be different. For some, that might be a bit more public and for others, it might be a bit more private. So grow in humility, be kind to others and pray for others always in spite of feelings that might creep in, decrease so that he may increase, carve out that time for intentional prayer and spending time with God's word and then share struggles. That has helped me to really try to open myself to all the things and carrying that cross with a bit more grace through the power of God. (laughs) Those are really, really great suggestions. I appreciate the, just the, the, the varying angles, you know, of that. I think if one seems too hard, you could choose a different one and start there. And I think it will lead, you know, lead to so much fruit in that. And I, I love your acronym of joy. You know, I think that it, it allows you to open your eyes to other possibilities that God might have in store for you and, and in your life. So, I, yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, Alyssa, we get to talk with you and Father Paul often, and I I love those conversations. And I'm wondering you know, if you have any suggestions about how maybe help your spouse, you know, what that looks like in a marriage, you know, carry that cross together. Although, of course, God desires sanctity for each of you, you know, separately that he's called you to marriage. And so, uh, yeah, what what advice might you have about how to carry crosses in marriage? That's a great question. Sometimes I don't even know myself because it's, it's a hard one to figure out for yourself, let alone how to do it for your spouse. So if you're in a place where that is a really big challenge for whoever's out there listening, you're not alone because, you know, we have we have some good, he's a priest for goodness sake, and we're still like, I don't know. So know that you're not alone and it's okay. I think some of it is knowing when to pick it up and when to put it down for both of us, when to let your spouse have a good chunk of that weight or when to pick up a good chunk of your spouse's weight. And that's so different for every couple. There's no way to really prescribe how to do that. I think prayer is very important in that also. And Paul and I were actually just talking about this the other day. It's funny in our situation, we don't often like sit down and read scripture together or pray together or do any kind of formulaic prayer or anything like that. But it occurred to me that one prayer that is a very unique prayer that we do get to do is the Byzantine liturgy. I canter and he says the liturgy. And I had, I've been cantering for years. And until like two days ago, I took for granted that we were praying together in this very like unique way. And I think in those unspoken moments where you are praying together, whether it is, you know, scheduled and let's pray together now, or just 
in a moment where you're so in sync and you can feel God's presence, just relish that, you know, enjoy that and notice that, understand that in that moment, while God is with us all the time, in that moment, he's just like saying, hey, you guys are doing okay, you know, that kind of thing. So I am all about the little tiny moments because that's where the miracles occur. That would be my advice is just really, like Meg said, keep yourself open, open your ears, you know, find those moments where uh, God is very present in the normal everyday life. Yes. Wow. I love that advice of know when to pick it up and when to put it down, you know, and that, yeah, that, that does look different for everyone. It, It will look yeah, it'll take the shape of a different kind of cross, yeah, for each marriage. But that is such good advice to even just ask, okay, Lord, what are you asking me to do? Pick this up or put this down? You know, yeah, I really appreciate that. Meg, do you have any thoughts about that? I do, real quick. I just want to share a prayer based on what a friend had shared with me years ago. When Alyssa said, open your eyes, it reminded me of this short, simple, sweet prayer. And basically the first part of it is, Lord, draw me closer to your will. Admittedly, when my friend shared it with me, it was back during our single days. So we were saying, Lord, draw me closer to my future spouse. <laughs> but then I have since changed it since I now share it with my students and I have it on the wall in my office at work. I have since changed it to your will, whatever your will is. So Lord, draw me closer to your will for my life. And then the second piece is repel from me anything that is not of your will. So I think of like the bugs on the windshield, like, repel from me, like the bubble around us. And then the last piece, this goes directly with what Alyssa just shared. Give me the eyes to recognize it. Open my eyes to see it. So again, in the context of in the season of singleness, waiting to meet our spouse, you know, draw me closer to my future spouse, repel from me anyone who is not that person. And then give me the eyes to recognize him. But again, you can really apply it to anything, but it really just comes down, like Alyssa said, just opening your eyes and recognizing, seeing the beauty in those small moments. It doesn't necessarily have to be some big grandiose like, hey, everyone, look how I'm carrying my cross. Sometimes I think a lot of it is just hidden and unseen and, you know, it. God knows. But real quick, just in closing, I wanted to share one more thought. I'm sorry. There's just so much that comes out of these conversations. I remember a couple of years back in an appointment with my spiritual director at the time, I was really struggling with, you know, this cross. And and she said, how did she phrase it? It was something I, I was really struggling with. It's so permanent. It's so final. It's so absolute. Like there are no chances that we can have another. It's just, boom, that's it. So how am I supposed to pray my way out of this? And, and I said, it's not like I can say, give me another uterus or like, can we go back in time and change the outcome? Like there's just no way. And she said, it's not praying to change the outcome is praying to change the perspective or to change your heart. And again, it goes back to that openness, right? And so I don't know, I just, I don't, maybe someone needs to hear that because I was so stuck on like the absolutes or like the finality of it. And this, cha- this circumstance can't change, you know, physically. So it was just really kind of a transforming heart moment for me when she said that. And so I go, going back to being open and seeing how whatever, the, uh, I don't have the words for it, but I think I can, I, oh, I wish I could vocalize it better. <laughs> no, I, I think that, I think our listeners are really going to resonate with that because it's a both and, you know, that the cross is so hard and heavy, you know, and that's, Jesus didn't skip to Calvary, you know, he, he struggled his way there and he modeled that for us. And now, of course, 
his cross had the weight of everyone. You know, the whole world thing was was much heavier than than ours, but he gifts us the weight proportionate to what he has, you know, in his design for us. And at the same time, we can see it with joy. It might take a while. It might take, yeah, a lot of that different, the change in perspective of prayer. But I think it's possible to ask him for, yeah, new lenses. You know, I, I wear glasses all the time and I, it's sort of my, like, my statement piece. I, I don't, a lot of people just know me for wearing all sorts of different kinds of glasses. And so I really like the the lens <laughs> imagery that, you know, if these lenses aren't working today, I'm just going to take them off and put on the other ones that are going to help me see better. Yeah. To just sort of in that same way that I'm going to put on the lenses I need to see the gifts that the Lord is giving me today. I have so much that I want to talk to Jesus about after this episode. Yeah, I hope, uh, listeners, that you do too, that something in this conversation, maybe it's an image, the the crayon and the pencil, or maybe it's my niece's brooch, or, you know, the cross is the carpenter. You know, there's so many images that we have talked about today that I think hopefully will help you in prayer. And although the cross of infertility can be so heavy, Uh, I hope that this conversation maybe uh, lightened your cross a little bit, that you might be able to uh, maybe see your cross in a new light. Maybe not today, but maybe maybe in a few weeks or in a few months or in in a few years. So listeners, remember that God loves you and so do we and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. We would be so grateful if you took a minute to rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. Don't forget to check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and community prayer list, read our blog, and register for virtual and in-person events. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much and so do we.